I'm Brett Coleman, and you're listening to the Sounds of the Loom podcast. afternoon or evening depending on when this finds you welcome to the sound of the loons podcast i'm your host steve mcpherson and usually i would be introducing you to calvin williams right now and asking him a question designed to get him to stumble awkwardly like hugh grant in a 90s rom-com but instead we have something much much better and that's minnesota united's color commentator kendra de st Aubin. kendra welcome to the sound of the loons thanks for having me and you know what cal does he really need an introduction no, I just always try, I, like, you know, I sort of prep him, I'll t- t- tell him what we're going to talk about, and then I always hit him with a question, he has no idea what it is. Nice. So then he has totally to go, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, so I like to try to wrong foot him. So. Nice. Um, okay, big question this week, obviously. What have you got planned for Thanksgiving? Oh, man, we're just kind of sticking around, going to the in-laws house, which is like organized chaos. Actually, I'm not even <laughs> going to call it organized chaos, but it's as you chaos. know, I have a huge family. Right. My in-laws do with a lot of kids, so... There's like four kitty tables and one adult table. We're just completely <laughs> outnumbered. So big that my mother-in-law has to set it up in their garage. Oh, my god! Like they redid their garage just to be able to fit everybody. So it's going to be you a blast, the, but it's crazy. So is it cold in the garage with the kids out no, there? No, they have a heat. It's okay, heated. Right. They like epoxied the floor. They like remodeled it, sheetrocked it just so they could have a place to fit everybody because it's just insane. So it's their, their garage is like nicer than my first apartment. For sure. <laughs> it's probably nicer than a lot of people's apartments <laughs> because of what they, what they did to accommodate. But it's funny because then in the winter, they bark their cars outside. Sure. Yeah. Because they don't want you know to get the garage all dirty in case they have to host another. Yeah. Event. You, well, you know, you wouldn't want to be. You wouldn't want to have tire tracks. All <laughs> no. Or like the events. dripping yeah. mud and dirt and salt that we're right. getting into. So. Oh yeah, I can't wait for that. It's all good stuff though. It's going to be a blast, and then maybe head up to my parents' cabin for the weekend. We'll oh, see. That sounds lovely. It is. It's a good. It's a good treat. So, are you responsible for any uh, foods or anything? Like, do you have to? Do you have to bring something along? Are you? You know, I'm not responsible. So, my mother-in-law actually kind of orders in Thanksgiving. Oh. I think it's just gotten to be so many it's people. Smart. It's and smart. Um, but if we do go up to the cabin, you know, I'll probably participate. It's more of a potluck style. Sure. For Christmas, we do all bring something. We just got an invite and evite the other day for my in-laws' Christmas, and okay. it gets kind of divvied out with apps and sure, sure. You know, who's bringing what? So the the ordering is smart my uh when i was growing up my mom was not uh she cooked some before we were born and then mm-hmm. once my brother and i were, came along she, too crazy. She, she didn't do much cooking yeah. so for a while we our tradition was to go out we would mm-hmm. go to a nice restaurant mm-hmm. you know yep and then eventually she got to i think it was when my my family i grew up in massachusetts when my family moved to the twin Cities. she would get she would go to like byerly's yeah and get sort yes. of like the, a whole bunch of stuff yes. from there and it was great because then you got to stay home you yep. weren't going out but Nobody was people aren't. Over anything, yes, exactly. So, yeah. I was just gonna say, you know, and I'm 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 okay with it both ways. Like yeah. I grew up with everything being home cooked, but yeah. very much so that people would all bring things, so it's not all on one person. But the person who was hosting had the turkey. Yeah, and sure. then everybody else would pitch in. And when we lived in Arizona, it was the same way with my aunt and uncles. Everyone, mm-hmm. because then you kind of get these family specialties from the different people. Yeah, like recipes, like maybe a cream corn that got passed down. That's just yeah. really like so you get to try different things, and it's kind of fun. But you can't go long wrong with Lunds and Byerly's or Kowalski's either <laughs> yeah, sure, ordering sure. in because they, they do it pretty good. Yeah, my wife does has done uh, cranberry sauce. Yes. Uh, sort of for yes. my, we go to her parents' place. Mm-hmm. And she's done a couple different variations. She did one sure. that was like a champagne cranberry Ooh. sauce that was good. And then yeah. one that was a... You're like, don't let the kids get a hold of that one. No, yeah. No, the... <laughs> 
<laughs> Make sure you keep the cranberry sauce separately. Them out a little bit. Yeah, it's that's good. true. That's um, true. And then she did a savory one that had sort of, uh, I think, caramelized nuts on ah, it, you know, which yeah. is very good. So that that sounds too sage. fancy for me. Yeah, sounds I mean, good, the stuff in the can is fine yeah. as well. That's, yeah. that, that that's works what out. I do. You just roll it right out of the can, <laughs> and it still has the ridges on it yes. from the can. Yes, that's absolutely. my favorite. <laughs> uh, so what is your favorite Thanksgiving food element, though? Um, gosh, probably mashed potatoes. Yeah. Like, I just love traditional mashed potatoes and, like, a cream corn if it's, like, a homemade. Mm-hmm. My, um, my uncle's aunt... I don't know what that would be to me exactly. But, I have no idea. Yeah, but it's on the other side of the family. But she used to make something that had like a pound of butter in it, a pound of cream cheese. And yeah. you're like, no wonder this is delicious. <laughs> I just ate 4,000 calories in one bite of cream corn. That's so I'd have secret. to say like the mashed potatoes and cream corn. I just, I, I love that. Yeah. Because I don't eat that very often. Right. The secret to making most foods good is just to add a lot Fatten of salt and butter yes. and, or sugar, depending exactly. on what you want to do. Yeah. It's like, why is this so yeah. good at restaurants? Yeah. Like, because there's yeah. so much stuff that's so bad for you. Well, you guys all know, you see me every day, and I'm rarely without a coffee, an iced coffee in my hand, and right. it's usually loaded with caramel and caramel and caramel <laughs> and raw sugar. Right. So I'm very much in favor of the worthless calories. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's where it all comes. That, that, that's where you get it, isn't it? Exactly. So, yeah. Um, all right. So I, I wanted to sort of back up a little bit. Now, we've known each other for, mm-hmm. for a couple of years now, but I wanted to talk to you a little bit about uh, sort of your history with sports. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're both, we both have kids now, and yep. so we have kids who are getting into mm-hmm. sports or, you know, sort of, they may be headed in that direction. Mm-hmm. I, I just wanted to know, you know, how did you get into sports generally? Like, were you always an energetic kid? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then, sort of soccer more specifically. Well, when I was little, I was um, shockingly one of those things where my parents kind of had to force me into stuff to try things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wasn't like a couch potato per se, but maybe I wasn't into sports when I was really little. They were just signing me up for everything and just trying to see kind of what stuck to get me active. I have a brother who's three years older than me, loves sports. My dad as well. Okay. Um, so I, so once I got into sports, then it was like there was no stopping me, and I did whatever he did. I played basketball, baseball, um, hockey. I mean, I loved everything. Soccer, of course. But soccer didn't really stick until I was 12, Mm -hmm. which by these days, like in in these standards, like if you haven't specialized by the time you're three, (laughs) like you're going nowhere in life, (laughs) right? Right, right. But I was a multi-sport athlete all the way through high school because I I, I think it's actually better um, to be playing multiple sports. And I still tell people that today when I would go and do college games. Like the more times you see, and you can't really multi-sport in college. It's very difficult, at least Division One. But at least all the way through high school, the more sports you play, the better. So I got, you know, kind of stuck into everything right away. And basketball and soccer were the two that really stuck for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I ran cross country in the fall a lot when I was a little or younger because our, you know, soccer teams weren't great in junior high. So I would do it just to stay in shape. But um, it's just a sports family. Like I grew up, you know, playing lightning. I don't know if you've ever played lightning oh, basketball. Sure. Yep. You know, lightning, yep. hot box, like that's just all we did. And my cousins played sports. They were into hockey. My cousin played, was a goalie for the Badgers. And so it was just one of those things that it was just in our blood from day one. And there's in the environment. In the, the environment. In our, no, I didn't watch a lot of sports because mm-hmm. they, I don't think they were on TV like they are today. Yeah. You know, unless it was Monday night football right, yeah. or like Sunday night football, yeah. you didn't have ESPN with seven channels. Right. Fox Sports with seven different channels. But it was just in my blood from a very young age. And it was, and all my friends did it. You know, you kind of go w- with what your friends are doing, and everybody did the same thing. You know, you yeah. play school basketball till five, and then your parents would pick you up and then drive you to traveling basketball till seven and, <laughs> you know, grab Subway on the way. And yeah. it was just kind of in my blood from an early age, and I've just loved it ever since. I can't, I can't believe how 
people fit all that stuff into kids' lives. I mean, I look at my kids and trying to fit things in, and it's just, yes. you know, the, all that travel yeah. and things like that. And I don't think cool. we did it as much when we were growing up as <clears throat> I see today. Sure, Like, yeah. I mean, even some of my nieces and nephews, they play traveling soccer, you know, academy, club. They, then they play futsal. Then they do these foot <laughs> right. technique yeah. thingies, yeah. you know, these yeah. other hour-long sessions. And she's 12. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, I don't think I started doing all that until I was probably 15 or 16, or at least until I could drive. Right. Because your parents were just not going to cart you everywhere. <laughs> right. Um, but, yeah, it's crazy what the kids are into these yeah. days, and hopefully it's it's all for the good. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's just amazing how not scheduled isn't the right word because I feel like that has a negative connotation to it, but just how much stuff kids have going on. Yeah. So were you, uh, were you competitive when you were little? Like this is one thing that it's yeah. interesting to see with my daughter because mm-hmm. I am competitive. Yeah. Uh, and I thought when I was younger and I played little league or, mm-hmm. you know, I guess this is more like pre before that, like t-shirt league or whatever. Yeah. Just like where the coach pitch. Yes. Or yes. I, I, I took everything really hard yeah. when I struck out and I thought I was, I was like, I hate competition, mm-hmm. but really the thing is, is I'm actually just deeply competitive Yes. and I see it coming out in my oldest Sure. because when she can't do something right, she yep. just gets so frustrated. So it, were, were you competitive like and that? And that's a tough challenge. Yeah, I think. Is. And I'm finding that with my daughter, she'll be five in February. So she's not, you know, she, she has those same genes in her, but it's a tough challenge of trying to teach kids that like you want to win, but it's okay if you lose, you know, it's like that weird balance, try your best, but it's okay if it doesn't go your way. And I don't know that I was competitive in the sense that if I, if I lost a game or I, something didn't go my way, if I would pout or cry or anything, but I do know I was competitive in the sense, at least internally of wanting to do my best because my brother, you know, being the brother that's three-year-olds older than me, sure. he'd be like, I'm going to time to see how fast you can make me a sandwich. And I'd be like, okay. You know, and I'd run and make it as fast as yeah. I can. He'd be yeah, like, yeah. oh, that was great, but I think you can do better next time. Yeah. You yeah. know, so, like, I was driven to um, not please people, but, you know, to really prove that I could do something, especially having an older brother. always sure. wanted to stay with him. They'd be like, oh, you can step up closer at the free throw line. I'd be like, heck no, I'm I'm standing back at where you guys are standing. Yeah. Just one of those things that I didn't want to be treated differently if I was always playing with the boys. I wanted to do everything. I didn't want to play softball. I wanted to play baseball. Right. Just those kinds of things. So I think I was, like, more internally competitive. Yeah. And then, um, you know, of course you want to win when you're playing on a team, but not to the point where you're just going to – where you're going to give up. Right. You know, and then it's counterproductive. Yeah. Yeah, I had a realization a while ago, which was that my uh, – you know, one of the things when you're a kid you get told is it's not whether you win or lose. Yes. It's, it's yep. how you play the game, yes, right? Yes. And I heard that, and I somehow, and I only real—I mean, I only recently realized this—that really the way I internalized that was how you play the game didn't mean like with sportsmanship. It yeah. meant your individual, sure, how you felt yeah. about your individual yeah. performance. Like you're yeah. sort of saying, like competitive with yourself. So to me, like hearing that didn't help my competitive streak, right? Because I was just like, well, it's my <laughs> failure that I yes. how I played yes. the game was bad, and I let my team yeah. down. So. Uh, so yeah, that that didn't that didn't help me. I think trying to find a way to nurture that spirit of mm-hmm. competition, but understanding that yeah. at the end of the day, it's a game, and tomorrow there's another one. Yes, I, yes. Th- that's th- I'm still trying to figure out exactly yeah. how to nurture that. Well, and I hate the concept of that. Ever everybody gets a trophy. Yeah, everybody gets a medal. Like sure. I, I I mean even for little kids. Like, I don't enjoy rewarding participation. I mean, yes, it's good that you're out there and doing it. Yeah. But I think it could be, like, formulated a little differently because it's not bad to be competitive. It's right. not bad to want to win. Right. It's just teaching kids how to do it properly. Like, the, we went through a phase with my daughter playing Uno, you know, where she, like, <laughs> will not shake my hand or Candyland. And so it's yes. teaching yeah. them that, you know, good game. 
congratulations. You know, you were the winner today, Mom. I'll get you next time. Yeah. Instead of being like, throw the cards onto the floor. You know, <laughs> yeah, we've had some of that throwing cards yeah. on the floor. My yeah. oldest is six, so they're sort of in that same yeah. vein. And same yeah, concept. It's, it's, it goes great when they're winning. Yes. And then when they're not. <laughs> it's, you, it's a tough lesson. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't go quite as well. Uh, so for you, was there was, was there a point that you could identify where you began to feel like this is this is serious, like mm-hmm. this is something you want to pursue in terms of, you know, doing it in college mm-hmm, and then, mm-hmm. um, you know, making it something that was going to be, your life was going to revolve around? I would say really um, not too long after I individualized more into soccer. So once I get into soccer and I was 13, 14, 15, and I, I was on a team that all the girls were a year older than me. Mm-hmm. So I could see the college coaches, the recruiting, that whole concept happening while I wasn't quite there yet. Sure. And so even though I continued to play basketball in high school and do other things, I really honed in on the soccer piece of it. And I pretty much right from the beginning, I knew I wanted to play Division One college soccer. Like that was my goal mm-hmm. was to get a scholarship and play Division One college soccer. And so I think, you know, once you kind of realize, A, that you, you know, might have the ability to do it because you don't want to have any of these like – you see a lot of kids these days that are really built up and not everybody, not everybody's going to be a pro. Right. You know, so it's yeah. like the setting the expectations correctly that if you work hard, anything is possible. But at the same time, not building up that everybody's going to be a pro. Right. And so I right from an early age, I knew that that was what I wanted to do. And that was my goal, whether mm-hmm. I was going to get there or not. You know, I didn't know for sure. But I mean, you know, I had a, a great support group around me as far as teammates and coaches. And, of course, my parents. They weren't crazy parents. They were just supportive parents. Mm-hmm. And they were at everything. I mean, they literally, with their jobs, they were had the ability to be at every game, every practice if they needed to be driving me to everything. And same with my brother. So I think those were just all things that fueled me and kind of my fire and a great, great, awesome group of ladies that were my teammates then and still my friends today. Yeah. And it makes you want to do that. It makes you right. want to go to practice. All those two days, all those extra hours, all that extra hard work you put in for your teammates, not mm-hmm. just for yourself. Sure. I mean, in, in high school, I was getting up at five o'clock in the morning and running outside in the winter. Right. You know, I, I would not do that today. <laughs> right. But at that time, you're thinking like, hey, we've got a tournament after Christmas in Orlando. Like, I've got to train for this. You know, yeah. I get, I don't want to let my teammates down. And so from right from the beginning, once I realized I had a knack for soccer, um, it was kind of like that was that was my goal. It was to play D one always. Yeah, and I think that that environment that 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 part of seeing what the the path is mm-hmm. like that's one of the things that like I've been impressed with seeing the development academy mm-hmm. and sort of starting to provide that uh, in a way. Just even that sense of the, you know, I think that I, when I was growing up, which was is pre MLS, yes. you know. Mm-hmm. Like I, you know, the I wanted to be a baseball player. I played yep. a lot of soccer. And I played baseball, but soccer was like I play this, but I don't know where it goes. Sure. So just the sense of first of all having Minnesota United here, mm-hmm. that it shows that to kids, and then like as the development academy is there, it gives it provides this kind of pathway. So there's yep. like an environment, um, which is it's which, so which cool to cool, see so. that because yeah. it didn't you know nothing like that existed when I was growing up either. And yeah. There was no pro women's soccer when I was growing up right. either. So you went to college. So your dream was always college soccer because there wasn't really thing, anything after that yeah. unless you were on the national team. Sure. So, like, not until my later years in college did then the WUSA, WPS, and all those failed women's leagues, actually, right. um, had come to fruition. And even then, there was a handful of teams. So if you weren't on a national team, you probably weren't playing pro soccer. Yeah. And so even cool overseas, seeing a lot of these players, American-born and otherwise, playing overseas in the EPL version for the women, really yeah. kicking up steam with Arsenal women. And so it's it's really been fun to see that. And it's so cool that, you know, young girls now have, can have those aspirations. Yeah. Um, in terms of, I, I mean, again, you said, you know, your daughter's – Five, so yep. you're really not headed for it yet. But like, do you 
you do you perceive that change in in youth sports? You know, here in the Twin Cities and just generally, mm-hmm. like how it's how it's different nowadays, maybe than when you were growing up. Totally, because like when I go to the bubble now for my daughter, she plays in like a little rec league. Oh, for, okay, yeah, nice. it's actually K through like fifth grade, but a girl that I played club high school club and college soccer with coaches it. So uh-huh. she's like, yeah, bring your daughter. She's not old enough, but she'll be fine. <laughs> but I see off, it at right. the bubble. I mean, there's no <laughs> space in the bubble. Right. You know what I mean? Like there's so many kids out there playing and some of it's just for fun. Some of it's hardcore. I mean, it's just, I love to see that. I mean, there's a, there's a fine line between overdoing it. Yeah. And then there's just the fact that I love that kids are out and being active and not just sitting and playing video games. Yeah. So I don't yeah. mind it. You yeah. know, if they are going from hockey practice to soccer practice, big deal. I'd rather have them doing that than, you know, sitting for eight hours after school and playing a video game. Yeah. So um, I think it's totally different. We didn't even have bubbles in my lifetime, you know, until later <laughs> mm-hmm. in my life, until like high school where you go and play at Augsburg in the winter and stuff. Sure. So it's cool to see. I love the change. And I think it's... And there's nothing wrong with still playing, you know, the local rec league. It doesn't all have to be academy. It doesn't yeah. all have to be traveling. It doesn't yeah. have to be $1,000 a, a month for your right. kid to play. It can be just the fun, like, learn to play hockey, learn to play soccer, you know, wear your tennis shoes out there. You don't need cleats. <laughs> right, right. You need $100 cleats if your kid is six. Yeah. Um, so I, I love to see that. And I think there's more coaches. I think there's more former players that are becoming coaches. There's more camps. There's opportunities. Tony Sana, perfect mm-hmm. example. He runs these free camps all summer long for kids. Yeah. I just think it's a really cool thing that's around that wasn't when I was playing. Yeah. Well, like you're saying that, just that immersion of, you know, like your daughter being there, even if she's not, yep. you know, participating or, or, or playing in the same mm-hmm. kind of things. That's, you know, she's there. Yep. And that's a huge part of it is immersion. Like the coaches, the first team coaches talk about this in terms mm-hmm. of American players. Like, yeah. you know, you, you're you're competing against foreign-born players mm-hmm. where that's, they grow up inside this They come thing. out of the womb with a ball. Yeah, exactly. Their foot. And, it's, yeah. and it's so different, you <laughs> yeah. know, and like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm reading this book, um, Inverting the Pyramid, I believe it's mm-hmm. called. It's like about soccer the sort of mm-hmm. development of soccer tactics. Mm-hmm. And it talks about the, uh, you know, soccer was sort of exported from England to other countries, mm-hmm. you know, in these, like in, in South America. And that, you know, in these countries, like in Brazil and a lot of the cities, it's an urban environment. It's mm-hmm. very tight. It's very small. And so there, like this huge thing came up yes. about ball handling. Yes. And it was like, you know, tight you're, spaces. you're going so it was around. all small-sided games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're playing in, mm-hmm. in alleys where there's yeah. like, there's pillars and yep. things like that. And, mm-hmm. so you got, and so that sort of changes yeah. the, the feel of the game. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of how it develops its own feel in different parts of the world. So, mm-hmm. you know, so I have here the development of of a culture, you yep. know, and that that can be it can be kicking a ball against yeah. the wall. It doesn't like yeah. you're saying it doesn't always have to be training. It doesn't so. have to be, and it doesn't have to be a bubble exactly. Like it could be in your basement, you yeah. know. I mean, it could be like that. It doesn't have to be this organized crazy thing. And I saw a video. I think it was on Twitter or Instagram the other day from Michael Bradley, of his son taking two touches and just drilling a ball <laughs> in this little net inside his house. Right. And thank God he hit the net because yeah. if he didn't, it, you know. It, might have done some damage on his wall, right. but it was like, hey, it's too cold outside, so we've moved the moved the net inside. Yeah, we have we're in a tiny apartment right now, and we got an apartment sized goal that my daughter and <laughs> nice, my my nice. husband will play on, and it's tiny, you know. But like, it's just a way to kick the ball around and yeah. get a couple touches and just have fun with it. Yeah, so. totally. Mm-hmm. All right, let's shift a little bit. We're gonna talk a little bit, talk a little MLS right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're getting ready for the conference finals yeah. coming up. We're gonna get started. So, mm-hmm. uh, so we got Atlanta versus Red Bulls. And Portland versus SKC. Who do you like in Atlanta uh, versus Red Bulls? Oh, man. I want to say Red Bulls. Um, 
just because. <laughs> I mean, I love what Atlanta has done as far as getting 70,000 people there. Sure. And I think they're a fantastic team, and Tata Martino has done an amazing job with that club, and Miguel Almarone, probably the best player in MLS, to be honest, you yeah. know, all around. Um, and then Joseph Martinez. I, I always say the sign of a great player is when you know exactly what they're going to do and you still can't stop them. <laughs> right, yeah. And yeah. Um, But you know what? To me, like, I love Bradley Wright Phillips. I love that the Red Bulls have undergone a coaching change in the middle of the season, and they just picked up right where they left off. I think that's a sign of a good club where everybody knows their role and knows what is expected of them, regardless of who is coaching or who's on the field. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love the Red Bulls, and I, I want uh, – I think that would be cool for their fan base. And they're always right up there kind of – they fly under the radar because of some of the other Eastern Conference teams. Because mm-hmm. of NYCFC with David Villa, they're maybe not as flashy. Right. They don't get as much attention, um, especially with Toronto in the mix last season. Um, so I would love the Red Bulls in that one. And I think they clearly have the ability to with winning the Supporters' Shield. Yeah. It's not uh, out of out of reach for them. I don't love the way MLS playoffs are, the way that actually leg one is away mm-hmm. um, for the better team. Right. I think it should be the other way around um, yeah. rather than, like, if they come back home as the better team, but they're down. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I don't yeah, know. I just like it. Goals, I, I, you know, then, yes. then you're, yeah, you're, which that's a whole other story, the whole way know, yeah. the away goals are and, and the tiebreaker and stuff. But I, I would have preferred, and maybe you'd have to ask all the teams how they feel about it, but if I was the better seed, I would want to host first. Yeah. Maybe you just crush someone 4 or 5 nothing, even though they're a home goals. Who cares? Like, you've got the momentum. Your right. fans are behind you. Rather than going on the road, maybe going down a couple goals, and then you got to come back, and it's just a different feel. Then it's like you're playing for your life yeah. rather than getting out ahead of it. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't love that, that they have to go to Atlanta first. I yeah. think that could be a, a problem for them. Yeah. But I do like the Red Bulls in that one. Yeah. It's funny. I, I, like, it's, it's hard to think of the Supporter Shield winner as, like, the underdog. Yeah. But I still sort of feel like, I mean, it's just. If they were home first, I don't know if they would be as underdog. Yeah. Atlanta is yeah. just such a tough place to play. It's a different animal. 70,000 people. They've got a yeah. great fan base. You're on turf. You're inside. It's just a different animal. Yeah. Um, so, you know. I think the New York Red Bulls roster is just as stacked. They just don't have the flashy players like Atlanta does. Yeah. Well, Red Bulls feels, I mean, and they uh, they feel a little more like, because of the way they develop their team, which is from the academy. Yes, and yes, sort of Red that, Bulls that, that too. That feels mm-hmm. this sort of like mm-hmm. homegrown element. Yep. I like underdogs, you know, and yep. so like they, and that feeling of how they, they always do well, but they get the playoffs, they haven't gotten there yet, yes. like all the way. And so yes. it's like, I, I, I want to pull for that. So yeah. And they surprised people getting the supporter shield. Everybody yeah. thought it was going to be Atlanta. I mean, I they know. dominated the whole season long, and then they went to Toronto and couldn't finish it against yeah. the Toronto team. He was playing for nothing. Yeah, I know. Well, actually, they were playing for a lot at that time because sure, they didn't true, want yes. them to win the Supporters' Shield <laughs> right. and break the record for points right. on their home right. field. But still, the Red Bulls just kind of quietly continue to go about their business in the Eastern Conference. Yeah. So I, I could definitely see them doing well in this one. If yeah. Everybody's healthy. Yeah, and then I, they 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 won my heart with, uh, with Bradley Ray Phillips' I celebration for his 100th goal yeah. where he pulled yeah. off the shirt and he had the 100 on the back yes. instead of the 99. And he's so. just sick. Yeah. I mean, if you are a young forward and you want to watch, go find a tape. Or if it's zoomed out enough, because a lot of times in soccer, you don't see his yeah. runs being made sure. if he's not directly around the ball. Yeah. And watch his runs to find the space to receive the ball and get in behind or help a teammate, whatever it is. Like, yeah. it's pretty ridiculous. And very much like Darwin, mm-hmm. where they read the game so well yeah. that if you could see everything they're doing off the ball, you you know, that's like what a young forward should, yeah. should watch. Yeah, like he doesn't always have, he doesn't have necessarily, the, he doesn't have the profile of a, of a Zlatan or somebody yes. like that. He doesn't have the necessarily the highlight. Which he doesn't want that. No, and you he, know, doesn't, have, he doesn't have like the highlight finishes or something like yeah. that. But you look at his record over yeah. years, you realize like in terms of consistent goal scoring, yeah. like he's, he's yeah. right up there. Well, so. and some of the finishes 
chances he had against us weren't too shabby. I know, yeah. So. <laughs> we won't talk about this. Let's talk about the Western <laughs> Conference. Let's talk Portland, SKC. Now, I, before the playoffs started, I, I had SKC going all the way because yeah. I like their methodology as well. I also like Portland for that, though. Yeah. The feel of Portland as an organization yeah. is great, too. But what's what's your what's your feeling on Portland? Well, I think the, Portland has a little bit more of the momentum right now. Um, I think Savarese has got them clicking on all cylinders. And um, you've got Avobise up top, who's really kind of come into yeah. his own as a young player in a draft a couple years ago. People expected a lot of him. But then they kept bringing in these other guys, you know, Armenteros and whoever it might be. Mm-hmm. And he has now just come into that role in the last few weeks of regular season and done a really good job with it. And then you cannot, you cannot talk enough about Valeri mm-hmm. and Blanco and all these other yeah. pieces and their outside backs get in on the attack and have so much pace. So there is a lot to like about Portland right now. But then you've got Peter Vermees and the, just the consistency, very much like the Red Bulls where they have this academy mm-hmm. and every single player on that team knows exactly what he is supposed to be doing at yeah. all times. Who was it that they put at left back in one of their playoff matches? Um, uh, the guy who normally plays in the middle with the blonde, bleach blonde hair. Um, I'm totally spacing yeah. on his name right now. <laughs> I'm spacing on it too. I know. He, but he had never played yeah. I, like left back in his life. Right. But you know, Madronda was hurt. Somebody else was hurt. And what's his toes? Um, Sinovic was is suspended. Right. And you can throw him into that system, and he was exposed a little bit, but still, he did the job and he yeah. got the job done. So. Yeah. Peter Ramis is very much that way where, you know, he, everybody knows their role. They know what they need to accomplish. They've had that same back line for years now, so there's yeah. a familiarity there. Yeah. And um, it's crazy to think that, like, Melia was a pool goalkeeper, like, not that long ago. Right. You know, right. And, totally. and he's just totally coming to his own. If you have a hot goalkeeper, that that can win a game, that can win a series, that can win a championship for you. So yeah. um, if I had to pick one, I think I would probably go with KC. Yeah. If you know, they finally got over that hump. They got the first round by. They won on the road. A couple things that they hadn't been able to accomplish in the past. Mm-hmm. So I could see KC with Peter Ramis really digging in. And then you know you've got the leadership of Beasler and Zusi and, and yeah. some firepower up top. So yeah. they've got all the pieces and everyone's healthy. So they they could be on a roll here. Yeah. That that sort of system in SKC with that four three three yeah. and it's sort of like this is the system and then you yep. can move you can put different guys in if you want a different look within that system. Yep. But this is how we do it. And there's that, the core really pieces cool. that aren't going to move. Yeah. You know, and you've Sanchez got Sanchez is always um, going to be yes. in that six role. Well, so, I yeah. love Eli Sanchez. Oh, he's, he's he's by far the best number six in the league. Yeah. And could be just you know one of the best players in the league because of the importance of his role and how he accomplishes it. He's not going to be on the score sheet a lot. Yeah. But a lot of times he's that second assist. Yeah. You know, he's the assist to the assist, like if they had it like in hockey. Yeah. Where they don't show up on the score sheet, but he's the guy that's pinging the ball left yeah. and right and holding down the fort defensively. Yeah, well, Cal, Cal has talked about it before. We've talked about this with, with, with Casey, how, you know, he drops back to sort of create that three-man yes. back line yes. and the fullback. He drops in between inside, the two so. center yeah. backs, yeah. allows the outside backs to go forward, yeah. gets the ball back there to really start the play. You know, Michael Bradley does that a lot. Mm-hmm. They come back that far to receive it, but then they don't give it away when they go to go forward. Right. Which is very smart and <laughs> yeah. wise and yeah yeah. So okay, so you're saying SKC? You think yeah, I'm going to go SKC? That's a tight one. It's a tough one for me. Okay, but I'm going to go SKC. And did you go? Did you go Red Bulls? Red Bulls. You, okay, so Red Bulls. So Red Bulls SKC. Yeah. Then who do you? Yeah. If, if that's if that's who, where how it goes, how do you think the final goes? Um, if all stays the same health wise, um, nobody you know gets knocked out from these playoffs, this final, uh, I would have to say. I'm gonna go Red Bulls. Yeah, I think it's Bradley Wright Phillips' year. Yeah, I just do. I mean, he's he's due. Yeah, for a championship, the year he's had, um, he reaching the hundred, you know, the goals, 
all that. I think uh, I think he's due, and I think Chris Armis is a great leader. Yeah. I don't think he's been given enough credit for taking over for Jesse March. Yeah. Even though That's he was huge. in the system, and it's the Red Bulls, and they know what they're doing with the youth academies and Red Bulls, too. I think he has not been given enough credit, and I think uh, I could see Bradley Wright Phillips kind of lighten it up. Yeah. I think I would agree with that. If it if the final is Red Bulls and SKC, I like both those programs. Yeah. And, you know, I like— I They're would, very similar. Yeah, yeah. With the, with the youth systems and the— what they've been able to do and accomplish and with their leadership now coaching change with the Red Bulls, but still just right. knowing what to expect. Right. All right. Let's, uh, last thing we want to talk about. So, uh, you know, in your job, you've obviously gotten to travel to just about every stadium. Mm-hmm. Have you gone to every stadium in MLS at this point? Um, Is there anywhere you haven't gotten to go? Well, you know what? I actually didn't get to go to LAFC. Oh, okay. I was in LA. Disappointing. Yeah. And then my daughter, um, ended up in the PICU, with the with pneumonia, and so I flew uh, home before the game. Oh, so someone stayed in my head. Yeah, point two, there, two, yeah. but you know, I mean, I was having to come home. But anyways, yeah. that's the one stadium I think that I okay. that I haven't been to yet. Okay, so what's your what's your favorite stadium in MLS? Columbus. No, just kidding. <laughs> no, um, my favorite MLS stadium. It doesn't have to be the nicest. Well, stadium or, like, vibe. city that I go to. Well, well that's a separate question. That's a separate question. Things. I'm just saying, like, the, yeah. the part of being in the stadium, yeah. watching the game. Well, it has to be Kansas City. Okay. Yeah. Sport, well, Portland is cool, too, though. Those are the two I've been to. Jeez, so those I like are, both so of you, those. So, you yeah. had two really good choices. Yeah. And, like, Red Bulls is a beautiful stadium, but the ambiance around it, where they had to put it, is sure. not great. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, NYCFC, really cool to be in Yankee, Yankee stadium, stadium, but it's terrible for a for, soccer stadium, you sure. know, okay. taking the subway there, down right. in the Bronx, whatever, that was cool. Yeah. Um, but I would probably have to say, um, I think Portland. Okay. I would have to go Portland. I mean, the ambiance like around that stadium and how they transformed that minor league baseball stadium into a soccer stadium. Yeah. And they've added a few seats, but still kept the really cool vibe to it. Yeah. And the the amount of people that are lined up outside waiting to get in. Yeah. It's just a really cool, really cool feeling. Yeah, the way it's sort of tucked into the city also. Yes. You know, it's sort of just oh. in the neighborhood is great. Yes. And Yeah, the I grew up going to minor league baseball games yep. um, in Massachusetts. And it, mm-hmm. it ha- as soon as you walked in, you see those sort of like yes. wooden rafters. Yes. Yep. You're like, oh, yeah, I get this. Or even so. to get to the press box, you kind of go like across <laughs> this platform, so you know, like, yeah. a, like a gantry almost <laughs> yes. to walk across. Yes. And, and then. And the, if you want to do a pre or post game, you know, you're kind of set on this little set at the end of the walkway. Yeah, yeah, you're like floating out there. Yeah, yeah, so that's a really cool cool vibe, too. And the way the suites are in the corner kind yeah. of stacked. Yeah, it's like Where a home play probably kind of. was, yeah. oh, it's if totally I had to guess. Yeah. yeah, you can kind of see how yep. it used to how be. How the shape of it was. Yeah, I, Portland I definitely like a lot. So, yep. um, okay, so, so Portland wins that. Yep. In terms of city, when you get to go to a city, what's your favorite city to travel to? Vancouver. Hands down. Oh, yeah. I mean, in the summertime, Vancouver, like, you cannot beat it. Okay. I mean, L.A. is cool, too, because, you know, we stay right by the beach. You know, you can go for a run, hear the ocean. Like, that's great. Um, That's awesome, and it's really amazing. But um, Vancouver will never disappoint. It is such a cool city. Mm -hmm. And if I had just gone there for MLS, I I don't know if I would say that because you're there for such a short time. Sure. But I spent a month there for the World Cup in 2015. Oh, right. And there are worse places to be stuck for a month in June. Yeah. And so I know what that city has to offer. And you get the best of both worlds of these high rises and these buildings and you're downtown and the vibe and it's busy. But then you run two blocks, three blocks down the hill and you're on this amazing waterfront with seaplanes Mm -hmm. going in and out and in and out. And the place where the Olympic torch was. Mm -hmm. 
right there. You know, so and then you go for a run along the on along the water and there's these like amazing ridiculous yachts. Yeah. Like yeah. and cruise ships that are pulling up. Sure. So I would have to say Vancouver and if you've never been, I highly recommend it. And if you go for one of our games, go a couple days early because there's so many cool things. Bike ride around Stanley Park, you know, mm-hmm. Stanley like Stanley Cup. Right. And go across the river to um or across the water and there's these gigantic mountains that you can that you can hike up. Yeah. So I would say Vancouver for sure, hands so, down. So Van- Vancouver's vibe is kind of Pacific Northwest, yes, right? I mean, very it's much Seattle, so. Portland, sort yes. of in that, in mm-hmm. that, in that vibe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I've heard that like it's not, it's not, it doesn't pop off in terms of the nightlife. Like it's kind of, it's kind of quiet in that, in terms of that. But well, I don't need that at this. point. I know, though, I'm so. sure I know who you've heard that from. <laughs> but it, but actually, those guys that you know, not to name any names, who love the nightlife, sure, yeah. um, like Cal said, he would live in Vancouver. Yeah, like, he loves Vancouver. Dirky loves Vancouver. Okay, so maybe it's not quite the same vibe. But you know me, like. I'm in I'm in my room in right. bed by ten o'clock yes. at night. Um, so You're when I talk about so. when I talk about like how much I love a city, yeah. I base it on like what there is to do there. Like sure. I'm the one I'll you know I'm kind of like the hiking and the running yeah. and the yeah. <laughs> yeah. walking around. Yeah, like my my day you know starts before seven p.m. Sure, usually with that. Yeah, some of those guys their day doesn't start until <laughs> yeah. middle of the afternoon yeah. probably. Um, so uh, th- and this is up to be in Vancouver, but I was curious about. Um, restaurants, yeah, places to go because that was the thing. Is I went to Portland uh, and there's a lot of good food a lot in Portland. Of great food spots. And then in Kansas City, I was there and we went on this barbecue, barbecue tour. tour. Yeah, oh, did you do stuff. that? Yeah, it was oh, with really the sales, fun. with the corporates. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's pretty awesome. It was great. We tried a bunch of different barbecue. Yeah. That was yeah. perfect because I, I didn't really want to go to multiple, try to go to multiple barbecue restaurants myself. <laughs> yeah. But the chance to get a little bit at a bunch of different yeah. ones is really yep. good. So, mm-hmm. in terms of travel, is there some place that you're like, when I go here, I got it, I got to hit this place up? Um. I'm trying to think of a place that I've been that, like, you just got to go back for the food. And I don't eat seafood or, okay. like, fish. So, like, sure. if we go to a, a, you know, a California or a Pacific Northwest, I'm not as much like, oh, man, you got to go there because they have the great seafood, sushi right. or lobster right. or what, oysters or something. Um, or when we travel to Miami eventually. Yeah, eventually. Right. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> um, gosh, I mean, Casey does have that, that great barbecue. Yeah. But, um I'm trying to think of. So you know, like how like I talked to, when I was talking to Matt Lampson and he he had, yeah. he had a donut place well, in every, for every city. Every city. That's his. That's his. He's a donut connoisseur, <laughs> know, as I we know. all know. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of a place where I'm like, gosh, I have got to hit that up. New York? Any any places in New? Any restaurants in New York? You're like. That's the spot. I mean, but I you know lived what, in New York though? for a while. So yeah, I, I mean, and we and we hit up a lot of great restaurants. That's one thing that the guys yeah. are really good at is, like, kind of Googling or asking the concierge or, like, you go on an app on your phone and it kind of tells you sometimes the sure. hole in the walls that – so we've had a lot – I've had a lot of great burgers and a lot yeah. of great different, you know, things to mix it up. Yeah. Um. So I don't know if there is one place where I'm like, I got to – go there but there's definitely like when we go to a city we'll go to the same place a lot just because you right. find the place that you like yeah um but there's nowhere where i'm like oh man if i don't hit that place up when i go then I it's a problem yeah. you know yeah. or like when you go to la to find a place on the water or mm-hmm. near the beach that's always like yeah. who cares what the place is the it's more you're, about you're the ambiance yeah, you sure. can hear the ocean you smell the sea the salt you know yeah yeah so a lot of times like to the cactus club in vancouver right down on the water mm-hmm. like you can't beat it okay so sometimes it's you know less about the food and more about the atmosphere yeah and there's quite a few 
good spots for that. Yeah, when I was in uh, Kansas City, aside from the barbecue, I ended up walking over. Well, that's in a gas station. So it's yeah, less about yeah, yeah. the ambiance and more about the barbecue. <laughs> it's got its own ambiance. Oh, though, it right? does. So, I mean, yeah. the line's out the door. Yeah, yeah. But people are like, it's in a gas station? Yeah. You're like, yep. But I walked over to a marketplace that was, uh, I think, on the water. Oh, yeah. And it was, you know, there was like a little um, farmer's market. Yes. And plus there was food places around yes. the outside. I went to a Cajun place and yep. had some really good, good Cajun stuff. food. So. Um, and then in Portland, it was like, you know, I just walked up to mm-hmm. every food truck and got yep. something different. Oh, you know day, where so. the nines, where we stay Oh yeah, in, in Portland. Portland. Oh, my gosh. That actually has a great restaurant. The I forget what really it's good. called, but it's insane there. Like the French toast, it's like fresh, fresh baked <laughs> bread. It's like yeah. three inches thick. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so they have an English muffin, like burger. Mm. Their salads are that. great. Their desserts are great. So actually, like, I forget what the name of it is, but it's inside it's the, in Nines the Nines Hotel. Yeah. And it is really good food because it's all, like, farm fresh, local. Yeah, yeah. It's not a chain. Yeah. Uh, okay, so the last thing I wanted to ask you about this the sort of travel thing is, uh, mm. as you've been going to stadiums, have you been thinking about Allianz Field and sort of what that's going to be like? And Because I, I, that's what I find is I'm at SKC and I'm, like, mm-hmm. at Children's Mercy Park. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, I've been in, I've been in Allianz Field. There's some similarities where ours is a little steeper. It's a little mm-hmm. bit more mm-hmm. tucked in. Do you do you find yourself thinking ahead to like what Allianz Field is going to be? Well, like because we talk about it everywhere we go. Yeah. Because people ask us about it, so it's top of mind all the time. And as we know in our pregame show, we show an Allianz Field like what's been going on at Allianz Field. Yep. Yep. We get the update. We get the drone footage. But literally every broadcasting crew, every team we go to, they ask us or talk about Allianz Field because everyone has seen the photos. They've all seen the videos. It's not just like we're in our own little bubble here. Yeah. And so absolutely do I take note of that. Not just like the field, the stadium, and the surroundings, because I do think Midway is going to be amazing. Yeah. When it's all said and done and how people are going to get there, I know people are, it's a conundrum a little bit right now, people trying to figure out parking, but I think the light rail is going to be amazing. People are going to be biking. It's in a great spot just across 94 if you're on the other side and you're a family wanting to get to it. Yeah. Um, So there's all sorts of things that were so well thought out and well planned and really the intricate details of it. But just the stadium of itself and the architecture, I've seen a lot of stadiums in my lifetime. And you pull up to that thing now to this day. I drove by with my husband the other day because we I had to take him to the airport and we were a little early. Mm-hmm. And he was like, can we drive by the stadium? <laughs> yeah. Like he wants to yeah. see it. Yeah. And now with all the glass on the main level in where the doors are, like it's all enclosed because yeah. you know, it had been open on the one end for so long. It's going to be ridiculous. The fact that we have like a three-level open staircase, you know, with like chandeliers in the middle that everyone will be able to see and be a part of. It's not just for the suites and the club level. There's so many cool things about that place that, I mean, you can't help but just, you know, get excited about it. And now that it's like it's finally, there's the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. it's Before you know it, it's going to be March. It's going to be April. Yeah, and we're going to be in there. Yeah, I know, and 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 you know, I, I felt TCF Bank Stadium was was, was did, fine. did the job. It, it was, was fine. It was, it was yep. good. Uh, you know, you like, felt like you were in somebody else's home. Yeah, right. You know, and like, I didn't think about that as much until really being in places like like Children's Mercy Park yeah. or Providence Park, and yep. you really realize what just having that home feeling. Yes. It's really going to feel different. Mm-hmm. I it made me want to go back and look at like I took photos along the way. You know, like mm-hmm. whenever I go over for a tour, like mm-hmm. I had that first when the column was placed. Yeah. And oh my gosh. I kind of want to compare and look at think yes. about like how far yes. that. Come, so. Like when the steel beam was, or yeah. whatever we call that thing, yeah, like put in place, and we were freezing our tushes off out there, you <laughs> know, for cold. that presentation. And 
and the construction guys were just enclosed underneath with yeah. some heaters and really working on the under yep, yep. underpinnings like of it. Yeah, it's yeah. it's going to be absolutely insane, and um, I think it it gives you a good reason to watch the grass grow. Yeah, you know when you're sitting at work and turn your computer. <laughs> it's the most on. excited I've ever been about. Most excited I've ever grow, been yeah. about cutting grass. Yeah, yeah, you know, seeing it and talking to Ryan, the head groundskeeper, yeah. and just hearing his take on it and his thoughts on that aspect of it. Yeah. Um, and just knowing what Dr. McGuire has put into it, the thought yeah. behind every single detail. And then, of course, the broadcast booth. We went and visited our broadcast booth great. in there. It looks awesome. Yeah. And I've been to some doozies. <laughs> I mean, I won't throw anybody under the bus for other stadiums right now, but there's been times like where you're looking at the field and there's suites and I cannot see the entire 18-yard box or right, the goal or right. the corner yeah. without looking at my monitor. Yeah. Like, literally, the ball goes in that entire third of the field. I and can't see a happening. thing. Yeah. I have no idea. <laughs> and if, if the people are actually standing in the suite, then you're really in trouble. Yeah. Um, and just, you know, chatting away, which they should because right. they're in a suite. Right. But, um, they're, yeah, so we, t- we pay attention to that stuff. Because the broadcast booth is usually the last thing thought about. Sure. Um, the suites are the money maker. We get that. But yeah. Um, but yeah, there's some things where now, after having been in so many booths, where you just pay attention right away, like how wide is the table? Yeah. Where we can set our stuff on, you yeah. know, just little things like yeah. that that are easy yeah. fixes, but it's going to be awesome. Yeah. The press room might be thought about after the, br- the broadcast booth, so we'll see how that. Yeah. That, <laughs> <laughs> there's a nice little. I, sh- you can yeah. definitely go outside when the weather's nice. It's going to be nice. And so. the one around the like, if you go around the corner, kind of on the end, yeah. which I don't know what that area technically is for. Yeah. But um, that's actually got one of the sweetest views because yeah. you can see right down the length of the field. Yeah. Well, and I just think the fan experience. I mean, yeah, the fan experience should important. be, should be yes, first. Absolutely. And, it's, and again, it's one of those things where standing anywhere in that stadium, there's not a the bad view seat. is fantastic. Yeah, there's the not a bad the, seat. The view from the roof deck is amazing. Yeah. Like the top of the, like the nosebleed seats yes. on the second level on the yeah. side. And nosebleed in there is like all relative. Right. Because I mean, it's not like you're nosebleed the, is like, yeah, it's only 100 feet from the pitch. Yeah. It's like we were looking at um, tickets for Gold Cup, yeah. my husband and I, and I was really like, there is not a bad seat no, to choose yeah, from. Because totally. I never really searched all the seats in the stadium, you know, yeah. when I was trying to pick some. Our um, season tickets that we purchased are in Stadium Club. Mm-hmm. And so, like, when I'd never really looked, okay, what's the view from here? What's the view from there? And we were doing that for Gold Cup, and I was like, this is insane. There's not a bad seat. It looks good everywhere. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, Kendra. Thanks so much for joining. Thanks for me. having me. Thanks for joining us for the. Uh, and Cal, you you can you can stay home in England. Yeah, I we got don't, this. We, we don't I got this. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think Brent Brent was actually my my standard uh, substitute. Oh, you know, is he? Co-host. So he did a great job when yeah. he was on. So, yeah. You know. Brent Coleman. Yeah. Well, he's kind of busy today. He's a big deal now. He's well, I know he got signed. You know. Yeah. 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 He's, he's a big deal. He's, oh, we launched him. <laughs> oh, is that what the, it was? The podcast bump. Nice. Yes, nice. the sound of the loons bump. So, well, thanks for joining us for the 36th sound of the loons podcast. Be sure to leave us a nice review on iTunes or at the very least a five-star rating. That's the lowest rating I will accept. <laughs> you can uh, you can follow the team on Twitter at MNUFC. You can follow Kendra at Kendra Sports and me at Steve Ventress. And remember, there's only one person in this whole world like you, and people can like you exactly as you are. <laughs>